This is Leotau with Dr. John Peterson. Blessings to everybody out there. We've got uh, another beautiful day here in uh, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, Twin Cities region, home of the uh, Minnesota Twins, Minnesota Timberwolves, and I won't name the other football team because I don't care for them so much. But uh, no, we got a nice day out here today, and I uh, just want to say thanks to everybody checking things out and checking out the podcast. If you haven't had a chance to uh, to listen, we've got the first four episodes up on Apple Podcast, and uh, we're going to start to integrate hopefully some music. So the music that you hear uh, at the beginning of this or heard at the beginning of this podcast uh, comes from the EP album that I dropped last spring in June. I think it was the fifteenth, called "Heart of the Matter." which is a companion to the, to the book uh, Uncovering Indigenous Models of Leadership. But we can talk more about that later. Today I want to uh, introduce everyone to a very special guest and a special friend, my brethren, Rossi Ja Roots from Ja Roots Wear. Bless up, everyone. Good to see you, brethren. And uh, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, get you over here to the, to the crib and uh, to do a podcast. Yeah, it took a minute, but I'm here. That's right. So, um, just a little background. I've been knowing Charles for coming up on almost 20 years. I think we first met like 2001. One or two. One or two. Um, and we met through the band Sojase, which is a, a reggae band that we were in for about three, four years there in the early to mid-2000s. And so... Uh, I thought it would be great to have Charles on board, Rossi on board, um, for one of these podcasts, just to uh, share with folks a little bit about who he is, what he's about, what he's passionate about, and um, just kind of see where the conversation goes. Uh, Charles is a small businessman. Uh, He works uh, for a large school district in the region, Uh, community advocate and activist, community leader, and... uh, can't forget Massive Monday on every Monday night at the Northeast Palace. If you haven't checked that out, you're missing out because Massive Monday is one of the premier evenings in the Twin Cities, and it's every Monday, 52 Mondays a year without fail. Reggae vibes, positive vibes, grown folks vibes. So, But I'm not going to talk too much more. Charles, kick it off, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, who you are. Well, originally, my stumping ground was... New Orleans, until I was about 22, you know, and going through the ups and downs of living in the South, brought me up North to check out some other things. Uh, I'm seeking to see if we can make this world a more diverse and better place. So along my walk, I've traveled and met many people. And I come to the conclusion that uh, only true unity is the key. But uh, to get back, my mission is to try to touch as many people as possible and bring awareness to the things that we are all missing from each other. Uh, I think the day and age that we're in right now caused a lot of confusion. And I want to try to do my best to bring clarity to it. You know, <clears throat> we have a lot going on in the White House. 
that's pretty confusing to people, I'm sure. And we can't let someone like this distract us from the true mission. And I'm speaking of the orange man. Um, but in the meantime, as JP spoke about the Massive Mondays, that particular event is made for for adults, conscious adults, to come together, gather together, and so we could try to try to have a meeting of the minds. You know, you have all the people in the same place with the same type of vibe, and <clears throat> that's really the mission. You know, that's really the mission. Uh, my business piece is Ja Roots, which is a cultural business aiming to again <clears throat> hold people or hold you know uh, get people to become aware of different cultures of each other we all go through different struggles and so jar roots is a mid piece to kind of like uh, get people to understand the balance that we all need you know so we can walk or not walk down the street together in peace without having no animosity. But I, you know, I come to the conclusion we have animosities because we don't know each other's history and past. So we assume and we black, you know, we blurt out at each other over nonsense. So I think <clears throat> coming together with people like JP, Eshima, and other guys that are in our circle. And John ladies, Mason. And Mason. Uh, we come together to try to have this meaning of the mind because we know having this clarity in society is needed. And the more clarity, I think the more peace we'll have. So you mentioned uh, one of the things that sticks out for me is this idea that only true unity is the key. Can you tell me a little bit about when you came to that consciousness as a young man or man growing up, was that something that, you know, like how does where you come from in New Orleans impact and influence your ideas about only true unity being the key and how does that impact who you are as a person today? Well, coming from the South, my personal experiences kind of, uh, what can I say? I'll use an example. When I was in elementary school, and this is one of the main pieces of my understanding of what racism really was. So in the fifth grade, and those that may be out there that know me, I went to Lusher Elementary School. And when I was in the Boy Scouts, we all used to go to each other's house for different meetings. But it was just one house that I couldn't go in. And it was across the street from the school. And the parents said that they didn't allow blacks in their house. Mm -hmm. I really, I was young, I didn't understand it. But as I've grown, or as I was growing, I started to see 
the unnecessariness behind this racism. But I guess it's a comfortability. It was about people being comfortable. Uh, I think the way society started in America had a lot of people with animosity toward blacks for whatever reason that was. And I wanted to make a change early on in my life, but mm -hmm. didn't know how to do it. So what I did was just reach out to different multiple cultures of people as my friends, white, black, Asian, whatever I, I can really relate to. I'm from a predominantly black neighborhood. Uh, many of my friends never had white friends. They went to all black schools. Fortunately, I was able to go to a multicultural school to get those experiences and see outside of my neighborhood. Um, so going forward, I saw there were poor whites, poor blacks, poor of every culture. But the only thing that stuck out was this one culture had this privilege. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this privilege? What is it? And you've done you've done some deconstructing of this idea of privilege and white privilege. Yeah, I debunk it. I don't you even debunked it. Yeah, I don't even acknowledge it anymore because it's about you as a person first before it's your status. And if you can't relate to me as a person first, then I can care less about anything else that goes behind it. Mm -hmm. You know, so <clears throat> only unity is the key. Only true unity is the key. Yeah. And this is, after all of my years of meeting people, being in relationships, I come to the conclusion that this has to be the ultimate goal we all must reach worldwide. And it seems like a big jump, but this is what's needed if we are looking for, for a peaceful outcome to our lives. A lot of greed, a lot of selfishness is out here that's holding us back from each other. I was going to, just to follow up with the question, so um, do you think true unity as the key is the key to human survival? Or yeah. is, like, do you see... Do you see our? Do you see the human species surviving without unifying? Not really. Fifty years from now, hundred, ten days, whatever. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Like. Well, a lot of people say this. All right. When I when I became roster in nineteen ninety, many people in my black neighborhood didn't even know what my change was about, because dreads wasn't cool back then. Rasta, as in Rastafari. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, <laughs> I was a young man, 19, 20, becoming conscious, uh, grew up in the church, uh, and it, it drew me that way because it wasn't about money, and it was up to your own decision to see the most high. You wasn't converted, nobody had to try to trick you into being it, you had to know it for yourself. Did you have to pay any money to get into Rastafari? No money necessary. You know, so that was a big piece because now, you know, because God don't care about any of these man-made things. So my, my heart was searching for something that kind of uh, was open to everyone, you know, uh, worldwide. Mm -hmm. And as I became 
more involved in Rasta and seeing different cultures in Rasta, it made me question things. White Rastas, Asian Rastas. I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is worldwide. And if these people from these other cultures could see some, I see a Rasta in a certain way, then something had to be behind it. Because nobody made them do it, but they saw something. Unlike church, where you have to go every Sunday, listen to the preacher, you know, and that's fine and dandy, but if you have a direct connection with the Most High... Like we do right now. This is church right here. Right, yes, sir. You know, so when two of them are gathered, you know... That, you know, that is a form of church. And so that's the route that I took. And so being in this route, we've seen each other hurt each other. We've seen each other kill each other. We've seen wars. We've seen all the negative things that man thought he could have to have this control, which he has, but it's it was done through, through harm, harming people. So we've tried everything under the sun except for peace, love, and harmony. We speak it, but it's the hardest thing to do. And so obviously that has to be the last piece for humanity to try to come together and figure it out. Because mm-hmm. we all need to eat, we all need to drink water, we all need to you know, survive amongst ourselves on this earth together. Mm-hmm. But we know again, greed, control, is what's holding us back. So, um, just thinking about what I want to, what I want to say as a follow-up to that. So if I'm a person that lives in the Twin Cities who doesn't have maybe the same kind of exposure to multicultural, inclusive, multiple race, multiple background relationships, how do I get, I'm talking, I'm talking mostly for like our white brothers and sisters out there who come from predominantly uh, white, like social networks. Like how do I, how do I get, I mean, you talked about like the person first. So how do I, how do I get into that space <clears throat> if yeah. it's not something that I'm, familiar with and you know there's been some books about white fragility robin d'angelo i think wrote a book called white fragility and i'm not really into white fragility to be honest with you but i think some of it is people have fear some people are afraid of embarrassing themselves they don't know who to talk to you know how would i show up at say like massive monday if i've never been in that environment before how do i even know even about it like how do i get connected well, first of all, you have to have no fear, and you have to be willing. You know, <clears throat> when it comes to Caucasians and their experiences, the only place that they're free to go to is in really the black neighborhood. They travel the world everywhere. They go to Africa. They go to Cuba, Puerto Rico. They go to many places that's impoverished. They're not afraid of that. But from the stigmatism that's been put on us here in America... We are supposed to be American, living here under the same laws, but this stigmatism that started so long ago, people continue to follow it, and they don't even know why. Like lately, my thing is, most so-called racists don't even know why they're racist. Mm-hmm. They're just following, following people. 
You know, when I first left New Orleans, I came up north, I went to Fargo. I thought it was going to be really western. I didn't have like a clue what it was going to be like. But when I got there, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. It was pretty white, you know, which I expected. Was it as hot as New Orleans? No, it definitely wasn't <laughs> hot. But I did go up at a, a warmer part of the the year before the cold came. Do you like the cold? Just on and off. Um, off no. What, what are your thoughts on the cold? You know, I think I, I like the experience. Okay. You know. I'm, I was just asking because you usually keep the heat turned up pretty hot at your place. Yeah, you know, I like to be comfortable. <laughs> you know, I like to... I like to be comfortable, you know. You know, being a big Samoan guy, so when I come over to see these places, like, dang, it's hot. He comes over here. What do you say? It's like, uh, one time you came over here, and I think you said, it's like Christmas in July (laughs) over at JP's house. (laughs) Yeah, the AC blowing up in there. But, you know, nevertheless, man, it's just about really just having the meaning of the mind and really just trying to see eye to eye. You know, I deal with a lot of Caucasian people in my 20 years, you know, um, and I had some pretty good experiences, but at the same time, you always, you, you just never know who has some kind of back animosity, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it might not even be toward me, it could be from a past experience that they just holding a grudge on, you know, uh, it's like I know people that tell me they're from the suburbs, and they only knew one black family that the kids went to the school. And just think about the black family that moved into this white neighborhood. They're not the ones that's uh, pushing racism upon anybody. They're just trying to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. So you got a whole neighborhood of people picking on one family. Mm -hmm. So the whole neighborhood feel offended. How you think the one family feel being attacked by everybody? Yeah, you know, being looked at by everybody, and it's unnecessary. We we've been in the civilization of America, and <clears throat> so-called civilization, civilized society, at least since I'm, I'm a, I, I was born in seventy, so I'm gonna stay seventies because before that it was all the civil rights and all the fighting to try to get this injustices under control. So now we're at a point to where. We're trying to figure it out, but we're trying, but we're also going backwards. Like what's going on with Trump is driving us backwards. When I grew up watching TV, the Jeffersons, All in the Family, Good Times, what's happening? And most of those shows had the N word in it. I don't even know why we say N word. It sounds stupid, but nobody was offended back then, mm-hmm. and this was on live TV television so to come into 2019 and you have so many people being petty over the word instead of trying to understand what the word really is Mm -hmm. they're stuck and they and they focus on too much of it because the other slang words for whites nobody complains about they call each other white trash redneck this and that honky honky you know, and we don't even use them terms, you know, at least anymore. And it doesn't even sound right coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. But, but no one complains about that on their side. Yeah. But we have a whole culture of people that was attacked for a word. 
and we were almost like punished, like we back in slavery again. Don't you use that word again? Mm-hmm. We're gonna use we're gonna use this word. We're gonna say N word now. So what does the N stand for? Right. If you're trying to wipe out the whole word, why even have that little piece in it? Because for a kid, kids gonna be like, what is N word? What is it? So we're in a place to where we don't even know what a balance is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we throw around the words white privilege well, as if day. it's nothing. All day. Right, all, all day, day, every day. And you don't hear people talking about, well, why don't we call it the, the WP word? The WP, exactly. Why because don't we even give credence to this notion that there's privilege? And then half of the people that so-called supposed to have the privilege shouldn't even have it. So what is the word? I ask certain white people, what is what is privilege? What is it? Really, right. what is it? And what do people tell you? Some don't even. Some some would say, I don't. I don't, I don't know. feel I have privilege. My parents grew up poor, and they go into this whole other thing to make, try to make it uh, fit into the same struggle when it's not that. You know, we understand everybody had to struggle and had to work hard here, but remember, in America, many people worked hard for nothing. Yeah. And so, and what are you referring to specifically? Slavery, the institution of slavery, the institution of slavery, and so how important is it for someone who wants to get connected into more multicultural experience and relationships? How important is it to really know the true history of what's been going on the last four hundred some years here since? Well, I mean. First contact. Once they know the truth, then they can stop <clears throat> following other people and, and their notions of hate. Because, again, people don't even know why they hate. And this is only due to uh, 400 years ago. Let's look at 1600s. That was the beginning, at least in America, where we've seen prejudice happening toward uh, African people. Yeah, I think it's the 400-year anniversary of the first... African slaves that were brought to, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 1619. Yeah, I could be wrong, but somewhere around there. Yeah, you know, and it's a lot. But the point is, we're living some old people's beliefs. Mm-hmm. And if we don't believe that, let's leave all that in the past. Like, you want me to leave slavery in the past? Leave privilege in the past. That's where it came from. So it all has to go together. Mm-hmm. So if we keep something, then we're keeping some kind of remnants alive. And that's what we're trying to get rid of. And so that's why my clarity, trying to get clarity across to people is important. Because once we have the clarity, there's no more questions. Mm-hmm. Now you know, I know. You know, yeah, I know um, uh, Irish people struggled. They were slaves too. But yeah. remember, who slaved them? Yeah. So whites had their own issues amongst themselves first before it was toward blacks. Yeah. And that's why, again, what is white? What is white? And so we know white has developed to become all-inclusive of lighter-complected or <clears throat> Caucasian people to just be put into one, one ball because it works for them control-wise. Power, control. Power. Because before it was just too many different types of whites when they called each other German, Polish, this, that. And they had fuse, even here in America, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, so like there's a hierarchy amongst people of European backgrounds 
against others. Yeah, against others. So, like, I've always heard that, you know, the Northern Europeans felt like they were superior to the Southern Europeans, like the Italians, the Greeks, etc. It's the same thing. Etc., etc. So, I think what I'm hearing you say is that knowledge is power, and you have to know what the words mean without knowing what the words mean. You can't have clarity... And you can't really break down these barriers that are the reasons why we don't have true unity. You know, when I follow a lot of your posts on Facebook, I look at you as a teacher, mentor, and educator. And it's interesting to me to see how some people, like last weekend, well, my family was poor. Yeah. Yeah, but you're also light-skinned. And your family had opportunities to make it. Yeah. They weren't held back. Also, I was watching, uh, the other day actually, I was watching the Jim Crow of the North. And it's about Minnesota. And I don't know if I'm saying this word right, but they had some kind of content in the deeds where they couldn't sell houses to no no minorities. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, your areas like Minnetonka's, Egan's, all of these predominantly white areas were set up like that Mm -hmm. for their own good, you know, and for their own comfortability, whatever it was. But they held out a lot of the people. So, like, today in 2019, we see the poverty rate. We see a lot of unemployment. We see all of the, um, the repercussions of what poverty has done that's causing our kids to kill each other trying to struggle and make it every day mm-hmm. if you have to find other means and it's, it's, it's been put upon us wrongly and now it's almost out of control the system took away the rights for, for parents to control their kids um, we went through the war on drugs profiling uh, what's the, the name for the, the school to prison pipeline it's all these different things out here and people act like they don't know why we in the state we're in. Mm-hmm. But it was set up. You know, and the system, they, they would wait. People would die off and they would make sure that plan keeps going. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to put a wrench in that plan because it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, the rich man could still be rich and we could at least be comfortable. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, they love to see people struggle. You know, we throwing around. I remember the million dollars used to be the big money. The life, you can live a lifetime on a million dollars. No, shoot, that's old money. That's, that sounds like $100,000 compared to the billions and trillions that we're yeah. talking about now. And it doesn't take much to fix poverty. It really doesn't. But if you're not putting your full effort into it, then it's not going to happen. At least the amount of effort that was put in to set the system up the way it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. So anything less than the same amount of energy for positive is going to fall short because 400 plus years and going on strong still today was set up to advantage some over others others to the detriment of others. But then those people that's over still looking down at the others saying that they can't do this and they can't do that, but they were turbulent held back. Yeah. Redlining. Black families back in the day, we wasn't the thugs. We wasn't the people hurting people back then. We ain't had no control to hurt nobody. But when you tell 
families that did have degrees and did have the money to buy homes in certain areas, you told them they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody did get through and you didn't know they were black, then you would attack them, try to get them out your neighborhood. They didn't do anything. It was just a preference that you didn't like these people and, and you know, now you have to disrespect these people and put them down for what? And so for people that's out there that's hearing this, check out the Jim Crow of the North. There's a lot in it that a lot of people need to know about this place. You know, because then we'll start to understand why we treat each other the way we do. Mm-hmm. That's what's important. We can't just bypass this stuff. And that's why we're still in a state of all this hatred today because we keep ignoring it. Oh, leave it in the past. Oh, my, like like the lady yeah. said, oh, my, you know, my, my parents were poor too. And why are you living in the past or something? And why are you living in the past? Nah, my mom's still here. So if my yeah. mom is still here, then it's the present and the past. Mm-hmm. My mom came off the plantation at the age of five. She's only 73. So that's just letting you know it's not that far ago. <laughs> no, it's not. It went on it's for not. a long time. But it's just getting over. But what's, what's bad is the remnants of it is still existing. So the treatments are still here. Maybe the, the physical slavery is over in certain ways. And then again, it's not. They flipped it economically. You know, and so this is the state that we're in. And so, like, for the woman to come on my page, that's pretty bold. So it's like, yeah. So it's like when you say, how can whites get into understanding or get into this multicultural way of trying to understand others, you have to be humble. Yeah. Not cocky. Yeah. You know. Humble, not cocky. Humble, not cocky. You know, I mean, when I walk into a a white uh, bar, a neighborhood, I go in humbly. Mm -hmm. I already know if I go in a different way that I might get some kind of backlash Mm -hmm. so I go in humbly I peep it out first Mm -hmm. I even check out even if I want to be in this space anyway because if they don't want me here I don't want to be here Mm -hmm. or there and that's what it comes down to people having control of their own journeys in life and knowing themselves don't walk for others walk for yourself yeah and we got too many people walking for others trying to speak for others and I think a lot of that is a major problem. Yeah, respect. Yeah, listening rather than speaking is one of the best steps I think a person can take to humbling oneself if they're coming into a different or new environment in which they're trying to expand their relationships across multiple races, multiple cultures. I want to talk a little bit about what you think about technology and the role of technology worldwide. This is a little bit of an aside from what we've been talking about, but we've been focusing pretty heavily in our conversation about the American context. But I know you've got some thoughts and perspectives that are pretty keen on what's going on worldwide and how technology and surveillance is playing a role in that power over and control feeling and culture. Again, um, you can start wherever you well, want. Like Bob said, Bob said this back in the day. He said, Bob Marley. Yeah, Bob Marley. 
technology isn't the problem. Man is. Mm. So we create the technology, we create the content. It's up to us to use it how we want. Growing up, 88, I graduated. So from 85 to 88, the school system was talking about technology would be the future. Computers would be the future. That's when you had the floppy disk. Nobody knew where this was going. And for the generations that we're in right now, they have no idea what the floppy disk was. Just like with the phones. They're not familiar with the phones plugged into the wall. They don't understand the growth that it took to get where we are with it now. And I think it's allowing people to voice their opinions freely, a little bit too freely, without really understanding what they're talking about. Because they don't understand how the technology came to be where it's at right now. Yep, and so like with the Instagram and all of that. So people just pop up and say what they want. Great, fine, I love that piece, I love that freedom. But also, that's the challenge. Yeah. You know, like myself, like the woman got upset about the post, whatever, whatever. And I don't get paid by Facebook to put up anything, accurate no. or not. So now do your research. And if you find out that it's not accurate, great. So how about the other hundred accurate posts that I did put up and you said nothing about and or maybe you're putting an inaccurate one up there to see who's not who's reading the attention. posts and who's reading the posts. Exactly. Because there are some people that say that they're conscious and they're reading all the posts, and then you throw an inaccurate one up there that's blatantly inaccurate, and then you know you ain't reading the accurate yeah. posts. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Dig it. Exactly. So, again, I don't get paid for it, but, you know, I had to do my research, and when I see something, I might be interested in it, and I post it just a click of a button. Uh-huh. And then somebody might let me know that it's inaccurate. All right, great, thanks for that. You know, but now we can start a conversation. The but convers- they don't comment on the one hundred other posts, posts that were about, accurate. Uh, police killing black youth, black men. Uh, I mean, any number of topics that get posted about how black men, black youth. And black women and people of color just just in general are being just, just treated. minorities, period. Yeah. yeah. You know, but then again, we have But they'll jump on the one inaccurate one. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> but again, I think more conversations just need to be yeah. had. And I appreciate the lady coming on. You know, I was trying not to get in my feelings about it because she was trying to be so defensive and talking about this Jesus thing and not even realizing that that's not even his name. Right name. Yeah. You know, it's a lot that, that goes into this. Yeah, you know, it's a lot that goes into this, and I definitely know all about the church life. I grew up in it, and I I, I left it back there. And right. no offense to the people that's still going, but you're blind. Yeah, and that's a big piece of why we're again at the state we're in. You know, I mean, after she called me chica and I responded in Spanish, I didn't hear back from her. <laughs> Exactly. I, mean, I think she was a little surprised. She's like, oh, this dude speaks Spanish. Yeah, yeah. See, uh-huh. So, again, you know, it's just a conversation need to be had more and more and more. You know, it's been neglected for a long time, and that's why so many conversations have to be had. Mm-hmm. So we could get into each and everybody's mind, so we could try to move forward. Mm-hmm. If you want to move forward, 
let's deal with the past so we don't go forward making the same mistakes. Yeah. That's the reason why I like to always go back to the past to show that, hey, we already been here. We should be so much further by now. You bring up technology, we should be so much further by now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, no matter where you go in the world, two plus two is four. No matter how they got to the conclusion of that number, it's the same. And so technology is a, is a piece to where we can communicate with each other, um, show our talents, our skills, and it's up to the individual driving the keyboard and the mouse where they want to go. Mm-hmm. You can go to the evil stuff or you can go to positive stuff. It's like riding in a car down the street. You can go to Japan, you can go to Tokyo, you can go wherever you want online. It's up to you. But if you have people going on here that's driving to the racist sites, mm-hmm. the KKK sites, they got that freedom. Yeah, you do. But mm-hmm. you're not helping the problem. You're part of the problem. And since they're privileged, they think it's okay regardless of what they do. Yeah. But again, Obviously, they are the ones constantly keeping this negativity around. And then they show, they, they blame black people. They say we're the ones that's, how do they say it? We're the ones that are the bad people, the negative people, the criminals, and all of this and that. Sometimes I hear white folks say, well, black folks or people of color, Latino folks, how come they get to show their pride of who they are and we don't get to show our exactly. white Glad pride? Exactly, that up. So, like, so yeah, what, I can't, I mean, I, I, what are your thoughts so, on that? So, <laughs> so, so, so what that is, is think about it. They're, we're only prideful that we survived. Yeah. We've been surviving, again, 400-something plus years of slavery. So, we're pride, proud to be still here, making advancements, and other people keep trying to beat us down. Nobody said that white people wasn't this or that. Y'all put y'all, they put themselves up on a hierarchy anyway. Yeah. So who are we to knock them down? But I have to be proud of who I am, Yeah. getting through all of this negativity and racism and hatred. So, you know, it's not, it's not a competition. But it's people trying to hold their head up for and, and be proud of something. We don't own nothing. Everything we did have, they burned it down. They burned it down. Not mm-hmm. us. They or bombed it, it down. Or burned it down. But, yeah, all that. And so these pieces of history need to be understood. It's not you no know, passive aggressive type of thing to deal with. You know? And that's that's No, why, just know the history. That's why they like to leave it in the past because it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. If yeah. I bring up Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Black Wall Street where these people was good people. Doctors, dentists, had their own stuff, own businesses, own homes. 4,500 homes were burned. And they talk about it like it's a Harry Potter story or something. Right. It's like it's some life. sort of a fiction, but no, that really happened. It really happened. There really was a Black Wall Street, folks, for yeah. those that don't multiple, know. Multiple ones. They had some also down in uh, in Florida. What is it? Uh, Rose, something Rose. It'll come back to me. Mm-hmm. But we had multiple places across the, the nation, California, New York. Look at uh, Central Park. Mm-hmm. That was a black neighborhood back in yeah. the day. 
You know, we're here in, in Minnesota, uh, over in St. Paul, how they put the 94 through Rondo. Round, right, the Rondo neighborhood, you know. And, gen, and gentrification is going on again now. Right now. In our face. Right now, today in Minneapolis, as an example. Yeah. And so when you do these things, you mess up people's lives. You're moving them around unnecessarily for your own greed. And so these things right here are the things that are being misconstrued. And, you know, we got to put a stop to it. But the only way you can put a stop to it is by making people aware first. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of why I'm constantly saying we have to have conversations, we have to talk about this in the right manner. I care less about people's money, you know, but money is the thing that money is the root of all evil. And it could do good if you, you do, do good too. with it. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, money is used to stop people from doing a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. And keeps us separate. Definitely keeps us separate. When we are hearing pretty clearly from the man here that only true unity is the key if we want to survive and thrive. Yeah, it's going to get bad. As a people, as yeah, all peoples. Yeah, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad before it gets better. Mm. You know, and so you don't sound too hopeful about things right now getting better before they get bad. Is that? I mean, well, not, not to say that you're not hopeful. If people but, can wake up. It could get better, quicker. Is that if with a capital I and a capital F? <laughs> yeah, 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 with parentheses around it. Well, what I think some folks don't understand is that the lack of awareness and the lack of understanding history and the lack of putting forth a humble personage when they come up into the space is actually not threatening only people of color and American Indian, Native, Indigenous folks, but it's actually threatening white folks, too. Majorly, it did. Because the planet's only getting more black and brown as we move forward into this millennium. Yeah. And, and this, I think if people want to survive, they better figure out a way to get along. You know, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that, you know, we all want to thrive. We all don't want to just survive. We all want our thrive. We want our children and grandchildren and great grandbabies to thrive. And that racism is a disease, it's a disease. that threatens the health of humanity. So check this out. <laughs> so look at these. Uh, all right. So this is America. And uh, so let's look at how America started. Let's just look at how it started back to the slavery, right? These are white people doing cruel things, right? What would be a movie or a show that I could watch to get some ideas to what that would look like? Uh, you know, you've mentioned Goodbye, Goodbye Uncle, Uncle Tom. Tom. There it is. <laughs> keeps it real. It Goodbye, is. Uncle Tom. If you didn't check that, it was banned in the United States banned in Europe. in 1970. I didn't see it until five, six years ago. <laughs> Goodbye, Uncle Tom. If you haven't seen that movie, go check that out. That's yeah. a must-watch. Yeah. You know, I mean, it might start some emotions, you know, trigger some things, but that's the that's that's what it's about. That's why, again, we have to have these conversations. Yeah. This is old news, but some people are still getting it now when we could be past it by now, you know? Um, Imagine if we'd gotten that back when we were younger growing up. Yeah, like Roots. In college or yeah. high school and had talks and conversations about that. Yeah, we had Roots. You know, Roots kind of yeah. kind of told a story about it. But again, people... But Uncle, Goodbye Uncle Tom is 
No, it's a lot different than the different than roots. roots. Yeah, because it's going to talk No about offense it. to Alex Haley and... No, and no that was his different, story. Different, this his step, yeah. That was his story, but this right here is the philosophy that's behind slavery. Yeah. This is the, the, the whole vision of the institution of it mm-hmm. and the belief systems behind it. And how evil it was. how evil it was. And so after all of that time of them doing wrong, this and that, now they got their nice neighborhoods and they don't want to be bothered and this and that. Oh, okay. Oh, so you want to disrupt everybody else's stuff. Now you got your comfortability. Now you're saying, oh, the God, no, don't, don't come over here. Okay. This is a part of the problem. Yeah. That's a part of the problem. Nobody's trying to take anything from nobody, but you can't do wrong to certain people and then don't expect something to come back. That's karma. You know, it's like when... Um, you know, interracial relationships. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, when I first moved up here, I heard in Fargo, it was the first time I heard people being disowned. I'm like, what is a disowned? I say, damn, what? Damn. They'll tell you not to come back to the house because you're dating a black guy? Yeah, they don't want to mix, quote unquote, a mixing of the races. races and, and they quote the Bible. And they could say whatever, yeah. <laughs> I remember there was a girl that I dated in college, and she said, I can't tell my parents about the fact that I'm dating you anymore because they don't believe in mixing the races. Yeah. And yeah. I said, what? Yeah. She said, no, they say they say it's in the Bible somewhere. And I'm like, I've never seen that before in the Bible. I'm no expert on the Bible, but... But again, remember, it was... It didn't stop us from going out. Yeah, but people have to understand, the Bible was rewritten. And nobody ever asked where's the original copy. <laughs> so if it was rewritten, written from what? And for whose benefit? And for whose benefit? Yeah. Because while slavery was going on, whites were still going to the church, being told that they were higher than those people sitting in the back of the church who had no idea what was going on. But those people that were sitting in the back, they left their whole tribal traditions back in Africa. Yeah. So... This Jesus thing only started in the 1300s with Constantine. So they was the ones manipulating these different books and not putting books into this particular Bible. So that's like you, JP. If I'm talking about your life, I can't leave out your from 11 to 22 days of your life. That's some of the major pieces in your life. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to talk about all that. I'm going to mm-hmm. just start with where, with, with where we're at now. Start with 23. With 23. How, I mean, how, how is that? And so when you leave these things out of the Bible and people want to be deep into this church thing so much, you're only getting half of the story. You know, they say read from the front to the back. What's all this jumping around? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Let's go and jump in here in Genesis. Now let's jump over here to Corinthians. Now see what he was saying right there is this. Like, hold on, man. You're doing too much. Mm-hmm. Who's really? Caesar Borgia? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the one they believe is Jesus. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's so much. And they have to realize that Caesar Borgia actually was King James' son. You know, and the face of Jesus that everybody look at, that's King James' son face. Yeah. You know? And he's not black. He's definitely not black. The son is not black. <laughs> but but his, his Imperial Majesty is yeah, black, yeah, African, yeah, Ethiopian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's representing the continent of Africa as a whole. And 
just to have some clarity right quick for people who don't understand what Rastafari is versus this Jesus thing. Yahshua Elohim is the original name. He is the one that walked with the Falasha Jews, the true Jews. These are the Jews that actually walk with Christ. These are the people that are not talked about at all. So we deal with this whole other new Jew thing, this Jewish thing. Fine and dandy, but <laughs> we know who the originals are. And that's what's important. So his majesty, so Yahshua, as they call Jesus, was the first advent. That's the that's when he was supposedly born in a manger and all of that jack. But he wasn't born in a manger. He wasn't that's not how he come here. But the first advent is when Christ was here on earth and his majesty is the second advent. Mm -hmm. The first advent, they talk about when Christ was a peasant. He was just a, a poor guy walking around trying to bring enlightenment to the people. Second yeah. advent. Second advent. King of kings. He's coming in the kingly character. Yeah. Coming in a new name. You know, his imperial majesty, he held all the titles. He was crowned king of king, lord of lords, conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. And prophesied about two. Yeah, and, and yeah, through Marcus Garvey and others. Yeah. And so, when you look at this, if you're trying to pray to something, you have to really know what it is you're praying to. Otherwise, you're praying to the wrong elements, you know. Because remember, the, the slave the slave man prayed to the same Jesus that everybody's talking about. The white Caesar Borgia Jesus. The white Caesar Borgia Jesus. Yeah. That one. So, yeah. Yes. So, so I wonder to what impact people actually think about that image when they pray, the white Caesar Borgia image. Yep, they're not even thinking of Caesar Borgia. They just think this is the holy man, and uh, he's going to answer my prayers. And all this jazz when he's not even a real person. That's a problem. And that's why I left church. And it's not the fact that he was he wasn't white. I mean, if he was white, he was white, but he wasn't. He wasn't white. So that's the point, you know. And after I found these things out through my research, is why I had to eliminate supporting the institution of the church. And how did that have an impact with you and like your family? Did they accept that or did they? In the beginning, no, because again, that's how we all were brainwashed. Yeah. But it took some time and now they're starting to really see the light. You know, and, and you know, they've had a chance to do their research now to see that, you know, it's not all true what they heard coming up in the church. So some of your experience involves a little sufferation because of the rejection of becoming Rasta. But it also made me strong, too. Made you stronger, too. Yeah. 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 You know, I stopped eating meat. I stopped doing a lot of things. And they were like, what's wrong with you, boy? You crazy? I stopped combing my hair and then starting to dread. Boy, what's wrong with your head? Da, 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 da. This is in 1990. It was not cool to have dreads, people. So what's going on today, now that society has made it okay, yeah. the meaning to the real dreads is almost lost. It's almost lost. So we got to go back to the history of that to understand go what's going on, why people lock up in the first place. Because when people from the white society look at dreads today, they don't know what to think because it's all hood-like. Yeah. You know, 
it's all gangsterism. When I was growing up, and it's I, being commodified too. Yeah, it's sold as a commodity oh to make a profit. Oh to, my God, you could be bald head today and dress tomorrow. You know, so there's no real meaning in it anymore. So people have to understand the foundations are important. It's just like planting a seed in the ground. If the elements are right, it's not going to grow. Mm -hmm. And if it grows, it probably won't grow too long. And so we have to put seeds in our heads for each other with this diversity. We're coming together, you know, and we have to allow it to sprout the right way. You know, people, some people yeah. have to be untaught and then retaught. Yeah. That's where we're at right now, like with the woman. If she want to be comfortable in her world, fine. Every man and woman has a, are the rulers of their own destiny. Mm -hmm. But don't combat me. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to convert nobody. No, I'm not a Jehovah Witness. I'm not a Latter-day Saint. I'm not none of that. Mm -hmm. But I do walk by example as much as I can. I'm not perfect, but every day I'm trying to become. And in the meantime, check my words mm -hmm. rather than my actions. But I'm still trying to build up as well. But I know my Respect. words are more true than my actions. Respect, King. Bless up. I think we end it there. Just want to say thank you so much, Faftai. And uh, thanks be to the Most High for the opportunity to have you on board. And uh, we could talk about so many different things. I we mean, will. So just want to say thanks and praises to the Most High. And uh, appreciate everybody listening and following the podcast series and uh, we'll have you back again brethren guarantee that be fun to get you back with uh you know another guest you know have you and mason here or, mm -hmm. um you know whoever maybe Roz, terrence noble um get him in on this too but i'm thankful to have you in today and uh any last words parting wisdom you'd like to share with the with the youth or people listening out there peace love and harmony Peace, love, and harmony, folks, and only true unity is the key. The key. Thank you for listening to your Loaf of Movement. This is Leah Tower, Dr. John Peterson, and Rod C. from Rod C. and John Roots Wear LLC. We'll check you out. And if you haven't had a chance to hit up Massive Mondays at the Northeast Palace every in Minneapolis, Monday every Monday. Monday, it's for grown folks, though, so don't bring the childish behavior, please. <laughs> Leave it at the door. You're working so hard every day. But don't you give up, no, no Jot is by your side, I say The spirit pushing back the tide So give up, Jot, thanks and praises Give thanks and praises unto Jot Say, give up your thanks and praises. Say, yeah. Give thanks and praises unto Jah. It grows green up from the ground, I say, and yellow sun bring light today. Say, trouble will find you 
No matter where you run and hide away, remember to give your thanks today. Hey, yeah. So give out your thanks and praises. Give thanks and praises unto Jah. Say, give out your thanks and praises. Say, yeah. Give thanks and praises unto Jah. The ebb and flow of life circles round and round, I say. And what has life must surely die. But if you listen closely, you will find redemption, yes. Your whole life feeling iry-eye, oh, oh, I. So give out your thanks and praises. Give thanks and praises unto Jah. Jah, Rastafari. Say give out your thanks and praises.